Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Thursday, September 8th. We begin with an update on the apprehension of the final suspect in last weekend's deadly stabbing spree in Saskatchewan. We get the latest from Global News reporter Nathaniel Dove. Then we continue the conversation on the grisly attack, but this time with a focus on the generational trauma attached not only to the attack, but the Indigenous communities where it took place. We get the thoughts of Calgary writer, former journalist and Indigenous advocate Paul Custer. How will this week's Bank of Canada interest rate hike affect the average household? And if you were struggling to make ends meet even before this increase, what can you do now to keep your finances afloat? We get some advice from author and personal finance educator Kelly Keene. And finally, as businesses continue to ramp up after suffering through two years of the pandemic, how can social media be used to help take your business to the next level? We get some tips from Ellen Parker, owner of Calgary-based Parker PR. Search for Miles Sanderson, the subject of a prairie-wide manhunt, came to a dramatic end yesterday. Global's Nathaniel Dove has been following the story right from the beginning and is at the edge of James Smith Cree Nation right now with the latest. Nate, walk us through the final moments of what happened yesterday. Good morning. Yes, the four-day search, the four-day ordeal for Miles Sanderson is now over. It ended with a high-speed police chase and his arrest near yet another small town, Sources also confirming to Global News that Sanderson died in police custody shortly after his arrest, apparently from self-inflicted injuries. The RCMP press conference provided more details yesterday evening. He'd been spotted after 2 p.m. near the town of Waka, Saskatchewan, in a stolen white truck. He was then seen on the highway going roughly 150 kilometers an hour towards Roster. Both small towns, small towns becoming something of a theme in this series of events. Police chased after him, connecting with the vehicle, forcing him into the ditch. Officers arrested him and found a knife in the stolen truck. RCMP can't confirm yet whether this was the or a weapon used at James Smith or Weldon early Sunday morning. Shortly after his arrest, Sanderson went into medical distress. Paramedics brought him by ambulance to a hospital in Saskatoon. Medical staff there pronouncing him dead. There will be an autopsy to determine the exact cause of his death. And Saskatoon police and the Justice Ministry will investigate since he died in police custody. Now, this ends the search and potentially the fear felt by so many in the area. But as RCMP Assistant Commissioner Rhonda Blackmore says, it may also mean we never learn how the other suspect, his brother Damien Sanderson, died or what caused all this. Nate, it's uh, interesting because we, we've seen the video of Miles Sanderson's arrest. There were a whole lot of police officers, police vehicles, the helicopter overhead, and it seems he was standing up as they removed him from that white vehicle that was stolen that he crashed, and he was standing as they were handcuffing him against one of the police vehicles. So for him to go into medical distress and then die, do we have any information as to what might have happened there? Very good questions. Uh, the few details we have from sources... Uh, already, already in public. Uh, to answer your question, no, we don't have any more information yet. There is a press conference later today with uh, some chiefs, uh, one from James with Creation, some others uh, from nearby First Nations, and some federal ministers. Possibly some answers there. RCMP have said the investigation will continue over the next few days, potentially weeks, and, and even longer. Uh, many more facts to be found still yet for sure. It's human nature for us to want to try and figure out the why behind all of this. And there'll be a lot of questions like that coming in the next, you know, days and weeks ahead. But, uh, you know, more importantly, I think, is that you've been in contact with some of the victims' families, those who've been left behind after this deadly spree. Uh, How are the families reacting? How are they feeling right now? And I'm sure there's a sense of relief, but overwhelming loss as well. 
Relief, definitely. Loss, exactly right. It's uh, the people I've been speaking to say it's sort of hard to, to put what they're experiencing into words. Uh, one person uh, said they were crying yesterday when they found out about the arrest. I was speaking as well to the family of Gloria Burns, one of the people who died early Sunday morning at James Smith. Uh, they say they're they're happy and also that they've forgiven the Sandersons. Her older brother, uh, Ivor Wayne Burns, says he's forgiven the Sandersons because he doesn't want to be hateful or resentful. He says he wants to move on with his life to pave the path for their children moving forward. He says that's what life is about. Another brother, Daryl, says he felt safer after the arrest. His family has spent the past few nights in a hotel, uh, not at James Smith Free Nation. They're now preparing for their sister's funeral to bring her home to James Smith, where she will be buried. The Burns actually are related to the Sanderson's, the suspects. So a complicating, confusing, to be sure, uh, layer there. It's just tragic all around, obviously. But, you know, I, I think in the coming days also there may be some, some comments on the RCMP and the police and how they were able to notify people. You know, even yesterday there was a, a, an emergency alert sent out about seeking shelter in place because they knew that Miles Sanders was in that area somewhere, Miles Sanderson. So have you heard any comments about, you know, if people are pleased with the help they got, you know, in, in terms of, of feeling a little safer with this man on the loose? People have told me the alerts uh, became triggering, uh, if, if also helpful. You know, when you hear that sound, when you feel the, the phone shake in your pocket uh, in a situation like this, you, you don't know what it means. Uh, it raises a lot of people's uh, adrenaline and, and questions. RCMP certainly touting that they've uh, been uh, working closely with the community. Uh, some members, though, saying they've been uh, frustrated, certainly under the lockdown a few days ago when there was a false sighting of, uh, of Miles Sanderson. I think uh, we'll have to wait and see as uh, as everyone's baselines return to normal, as uh, as some some peace and calm hopefully returns to the area, uh, to see uh, what what has happened, how they feel, and, and uh, maybe how the system can be can be looked at. Thank you so much for joining us this morning with an update. Appreciate your time yesterday and today. Thank you so much, Nate. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Nathaniel Dove, Global News reporter. He is and has been on the scene from the beginning. He is this morning reporting from the edge of James Smith Cree Nation. Well, I think the the human curiosity piece, Sue, as Mm -hmm. far as how did Miles Sanderson pass? Uh, we are told uh, medical distress at this point. The autopsy will happen. They did find a knife in the car. They, They did find it in the car, but... You know, they were, they, we, the images we see, he's appeared to be being searched before putting him in the RCMP cruiser. These are professionals, men and women. So you think he wouldn't have had the knife with him. Um, was it pills? I'm just, like, surmising here. Mm-hmm. But we will get, there's two reasons. A, human curiosity, we can talk about that. But B, everybody's going to be under the microscope here. The parole board, well, RCMP. they should be. Somebody dies in the custody of the RCMP. Yeah, yes. There will be a deep dive. Mm-hmm. We will get some answers. But we will. It won't be quick. No, no, and but also we will not ever. I'm thinking, unless there's some note notation somewhere, maybe he was in contact with somebody. I'm hearing, and I've read that they've interviewed RCMP. Have interviewed over 120 people that he uh, might have been in contact uh, yeah. with in yeah. and around the situation, uh, around these uh, crime sites, right. so to speak. And uh, you know, so perhaps. But I always say. You know, we're not going, you, you cannot wrap your head. You said something interesting uh, this morning, very early, and some of the most sage I'm very profound come up, before 6 a.m. Which is, maybe it's a good thing. We don't understand the why, because when something this horrific happens, I don't want to use the term monster, but when somebody can do this to other human beings, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that term fits. If you cannot relate, if you cannot understand, 
maybe that's the point as regular people, yeah. quote unquote. We, we want to know the why, but when we don't understand it and can't relate to it, it's probably a good thing because yeah. it means we're not like those people. It's, an right? ex, it's maybe the wrong term, but it's an extraordinary circumstance. Yep. This is something that, no, we cannot wrap our heads around Mm-mm. because that's not who we are. When people do these sorts of things, we, 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 we don't need it. We're never going to get an answer that satisfies us. No, probably not. Probably not. And, and police said exactly as much yesterday saying, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll never really, we, none of us will likely ever really know or even how his brother died. I mean, I heard everybody talking about yesterday. Experts were saying, of course, it, you know, it seems the obvious is that he stabbed his brother and killed him. Um, but yeah. we'll never probably know 100% for sure. Uh, now, police do say he was alone uh, when he was arrested yesterday, but they don't know if he was alone all day yesterday. So they're investigating whether anyone assisted him while he was on the run because it's been a couple of days since anybody really you know, knew exactly where. It was a couple of spottings, but didn't turn out to be anything legit. So where was he? Did anyone help him hide? Uh, they're certainly going to be looking into that for sure. Yep, so many questions still ahead when it comes to this uh, situation for sure. With the death yesterday of the fugitive suspect in the deadly mass stabbing spree in Saskatchewan, there is a sense of resolution somewhat for the community. But in the days ahead, there will likely be much talk surrounding the life of the suspects. To discuss, we're joined this morning by Paul Custer, Calgary writer, comedian, former broadcaster and Indigenous advocate. Good morning to you, Paul. Thanks for being with us. Hi, thanks for having me. Okay, so why do you think it's important to look at the childhood, the background of Miles Sanderson? Well, um... I, I was not shocked to hear uh, that he had been uh, involved with the police, meaning he'd been charged or arrested. I, I think it was like 59 times mm-hmm. in the past uh, two decades. And they they even delved into um, how he grew up. And my understanding was is that he had to be taken away from his parents. He had to spend time with his grandparents. Then he went back to his uh, to his original parents. And the the shuffle was due to um, abuse that that he suffered at the hands of his caregivers. And this is so typical of what has happened in our community. And it all stems from, of course, uh, residential schools and because uh, that system took away the caregiving that we had traditionally in our culture and it was never about violence and and abuse it was always about love and caring extended family etc and the mother uh was always 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 uh, the centerpiece <clears throat> the most powerful person in the family and that has been lost uh because the residential school system gave rise it gave birth to the scoop of which i'm a part which gave birth to the current child welfare system with uh, foster care and adoptions. And the majority of the people still in that are Indigenous kids uh, to this day. So what does that tell you? Well, we've got a broken system. And these two guys, Damien and Miles, um, they're, they're products of that. Uh, so all they knew uh, was was to my knowledge at this point uh was abuse and and uh evil uh, in my mind and that's what they carried out now you throw into that the other scourge in our communities is uh alcohol but more uh what's become more prevalent are hard drugs and we're talking uh, the drugs like uh, crystal meth so it would not surprise me because when i uh, heard about what time uh, these crimes happened 
guys, this was like uh, around 5.30 in the morning when this started. Mm-hmm. It, it, uh, that, that's correct, isn't it? It, it? That that was around the timeline when this yeah. stuff started, early right? Yep. Very early, on, like on, on a Sunday. What does that tell you? What do you think they'd been doing the night before? My guess is that they were probably drinking and hard drugging all night. And because it's the long weekend, I wouldn't be surprised if they were on a bender. And then they finally completely lost their minds and carried out what they did. And, uh, and now the, the suspicion is, is that Miles had killed his brother because that was the brother that he found in the backyard uh, on the Monday morning. Um, so th- this, this whole thing is so twisted. It's so evil. But it, the root of it comes from the abuse that uh, at least uh, what they've talked about so far about Miles. Um, and, and he just carried that out. Uh, and it ended in this hor- horrific, horrific way. In your experience, Paul, let's let's dig into maybe the resources and the accessibility and the, the knowledge of resources for those folks who need help on reserves. What have you seen? And I know maybe your experience is limited in Saskatchewan, but for, you know, from family and friends, are there accessible resources for those folks suffering from trauma in the there, past couple of years? There, I, I don't think there's enough. There, there's, there's not nearly enough. This is something that has gone on for decades, uh, and it's not going to be an overnight fix. And, and again, the, the, the resources that are available, I, I just don't think that there's enough of it. And, and this is a, a glaring example of it. The other issue that this brings up, and, th- and this is really troubling to me, um, because with uh, a couple of years ago, within weeks of each other, weeks of each other, I lost two family members, Indigenous family members, to murder at the hands of other Indigenous people. And this is becoming a very real, serious issue. This never used to happen, not like this. There's been a shift and it's a shift uh, towards violence. And um, uh, th- th- and just after uh, the uh, the alert went out about the Sanderson brothers, um, on, on Monday morning, there was another alert. Uh, uh, they were on the lookout for two other young Indigenous men uh, who had fired shots on another reserve in Saskatchewan. And so automatically people's tensions were ratched up even more because now there's another couple that were on the loose and they were both young indigenous men. And when I saw their mug shots, um, I'm thinking, yeah, they're the uh, good possibility. They're tied up in the native gangs. And this has become the scourge in our communities, not just the hard drugs, but the street gangs have infiltrated and they're destroying these, these beautiful communities. So, Paul, I'm not going to speak for you, so I'll let you answer to this. But we had a texter that says, come on, residential schools are to blame. Is this, I mean, I know you're not making excuses for what these two have done, obviously. But is your point here to make people understand that it's the trauma that's been generational now to this point? Yeah, no, no, that's that's exactly it. And to the texter, uh, um, that's what I would have to say. This is not an excuse. uh, but this is this is uh, generational trauma um, that continues, and what it what it does is it it, it puts a spin a cycle of of uh, of abuse, and it gets passed on, gets passed on, and uh, and and on top of this, you're dealing with poverty in these communities. So this has been going on for decades. Unfortunately, in this case, these guys came unglued, and that's the first time we've really seen something to this extent. 
but it all stems from somewhere. So what I'd ask your listeners to do is just keep an open mind. This comes from somewhere. Okay. And yes, it was, it was most likely uh, alcohol and drug fueled rage. But where did that come from? It comes from a broken person. It comes from a broken community. I've uh, got a couple of texts in here, and uh, I'll read the first one. Gail says, it is generational trauma, the equivalent of PTSD. Uh, Pearl says, colonialism is at the root of all this violence, a.k.a. the residential schools. These are coming from Pearl and, and Gail. I was going to ask you, because when this came down, I was, was seeing you bits and pieces of your post on social media, Paul. And as Canadians, we were horrified. Uh, but somebody within the Indigenous community, I can't imagine your perspective and your thoughts when these details were coming out. And I'm wondering how tight-knit the community is as far as, do you know people who have been directly affected uh, by the incident that happened? Yeah, 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 yeah great question. Uh, two weekends ago, um, I was on my reserve of Beardies and Okamasis, which is just outside the town of Rostern, where they finally caught Miles Sanderson yesterday afternoon. So uh, my friend and I, we'd gone to the Pride Parade uh, on, on, uh, on Sunday, and we were having a bite to eat uh, at a place on uh, Stephen Ave. And that's when everyone's phones started going off the alerts. And I started reading it, and I was like, my goodness, I, I think this is close to where I'm from. And uh, that's when I got in touch. Uh, I posted something, and uh, my cousin Garnet uh, messaged me, and his wife lost uh, lost his brother in the attacks. And uh, Beardies is not too far away from James Smith Cree Nation. So uh, that area, um, because this is this is rural Saskatchewan, so it's a very tight-knit community. So when something like this happens, it brings the entire community together. And not just Indigenous people. I saw Scott Moe's uh, post, social media post. He's standing in the middle of a, of a wheat field, it looks like, typical Saskatchewan. And he was giving his condolences and giving his thoughts on, the, on this senseless tragedy. So it's, it's brought everyone together. And what, what you have to remember, this is, this is true Canadiana. We're talking the prairies, and the prairies often, it's tight-knit communities so this affected everyone and unfortunately it even hit uh, my reserve with my cousin garnet and his poor wife who lost her brother in in this attack paul what needs to be done now i mean that's a loaded question and we don't have a ton of time for the answer but you're kind of you're just you know high level thoughts what what, what do we need to do moving forward oh guys <laughs> um yeah i'm almost speechless because uh, we've been trying to do so much, and when d- something like this happens, it, it almost it's a kick in the gut, and it feels like you're back at square one, and you can't have that mentality. Uh, the only thing I can say, um, there has to be uh, uh, more work done with focus on our youth because we're losing them, unfortunately, in a lot of these communities, and uh, these these guys are an example of that and uh the street gangs we got to start looking at the street gangs and ways to eradicate the hard drugs that have invaded our communities the federation of sovereign indian nation indigenous nations the fsin in saskatchewan that was one of the first statements they gave after this tragedy was about how drugs and the infiltration of the communities are destroying everything and it's not just on reserves we're talking about uh, small towns everywhere and uh, you guys report on this every, uh, every day. Yeah, uh, small communities are being ravaged by this. So we have to come up with new ways to help our youth to nip it in the bud. 
and we have to find ways to uh, right the wrongs from the past so that uh, we can get over this intergenerational trauma uh, to create stable homes and therefore stable communities. But guys, <laughs> I don't know when that's going to happen. Uh, this is something that has been in the works for the past couple hundred years, and it's going to take uh, a very long time to, to right all the wrongs. And it's a sad thing to say, but that, I, unfortunately, I believe that's the reality. Paul Custer, Calgary writer, comedian, former broadcaster, and Indigenous advocate. High interest rates and inflation at record numbers. So how can Canadians budget for the rising cost of living? With some expert insight, we're joined this morning by Kelly Keene, personal finance educator and best-selling author of Talk Money to Me. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Sue and Andy. So great to be with you. Pleasure to be back with you. We always love talking to you because you always help us out so much. So uh, my first question to you is, do you think, you know, we're hearing about all of this and everybody's trying to save and, and do everything they can, but is saving, trimming costs, bargain hunting, is that going to be enough to offset the rising cost of living that we're all experiencing? Uh, Sue, for so many people, it's not enough. And, you know, it's not just people that... Um, are struggling to get by. I mean, there were so many surveys the last couple of weeks of, you know, middle-class um, income earners, even high-income earners are struggling to keep up. So, I mean, you know, we've talked many times about not sacrificing, not giving up the latte, going out with your friends. These are little luxuries that are going to get you by and keep your, you know, your mental health intact. What we want to do is look at the big ticket items, look at the big money wasters, and also where there's tons of free money on the table that Canadians aren't taking advantage of. Because, guys, the fact is that, you know, when you're financially stressed, your focus narrows, and you just you can't see what's, what's out there and available to you. Kelly, we know that no financial product is created equal. The different rates, depending on, you know, what you're looking at here, different institutions... So is it still the case when we speak with people in your field that you talk about consolidating, it's getting harder to find the lowest interest rates possible on, on anything, but uh, do we still want to try to consolidate and bring down some of those higher rates? You know what, Andy, that is always good advice. Um, keep in mind that sometimes consolidation loans are like a, a get-out-of-jail kind of free ticket. So it's not something, if you're doing that often, uh, it could be a red flag of like, why are you having to consolidate? Are you doing this on a regular basis every couple of years? If that is the case, then maybe you want to talk to somebody like a nonprofit credit counselor. In Alberta, we've got Money Mentors. There's some other great ones. Doesn't mean you have to go down that route, but, but you know, definitely get some help if that is something that's happening often. But for everyone else, yes, this is a, a an absolute brilliant time to really dig into your interest rates. Like, if you do have any money on a high interest rate credit card, guys, if you just literally call up your bank and did nothing more but get from a 24% interest rate credit card down to a 12% interest rate credit card, for example, I mean, that's still astronomically high, but look at how much you're going to save over the years paying that off. So I know when people are stressed, you just don't want to look at anything, especially if there isn't enough money coming in. But calling up your bank, calling up your lender, your credit card company, letting them know that maybe you're you're financially stressed or you're actually in distress, they're going to help you out. It's better than not calling them and, and just 
being silent and and letting them figure out what your situation is. So my technique of burying my head in the sand is not not helpful. Okay, uh, Kelly, no, I would assume that is an example of, you know, sort of going after the big ticket items. You said, you know, not skipping a coffee, for example, is not going to cut it that much anymore. What are some of the other bigger things that we can look at and go after to try and save us some money? Yeah, absolutely. So once you've looked at your debt, that's probably the biggest one. You're right, have the coffee. Um, is, you know, look for unclaimed benefits. So let's run through a few of these. Number one, if you are traditionally employed, there are three to four billion dollars being left on the table every single year in people not taking advantage of their employer's matching programs. So this could be RSP matching programs, stock options. If, if you're like, yeah, that could be me, call up your HR person because this could be thousands of dollars uh, in savings that, that you're just letting fly out the window every year. Uh, I'm sure you probably talked about on your, your program many times, the CRA uh, uncashed checks. And maybe you're like, hey, I've never seen a check. Well, maybe you moved. Maybe it never arrived. You can log on to your CRA account and see if there's any money sitting there for you. Uh, speaking of CRA, if you haven't filed your taxes, and 10 to 12% of Canadians have not, that means that you might have a refund, that you're not getting GST credits, maybe child tax benefit credits, things of that sort. There's free money for you. And then very lastly, Canada is the only country in the world that you can go back on your taxes 10 years and see if there's any benefits, um, credits that you missed, tax laws that changed. And there's actually a company called Family Tax Recovery. They use smart AI and technology to do this for you. Best part is doesn't cost you a cent unless they recover money for you. So there's, I've got all these links up on my website. Lots of options to find some free money to help you get through these really, really challenging times. Some great advice. Family Tax Recovery was the name of that company. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I've got the links up on my website. Perfect. I know. It's like, why not take advantage of, uh, I mean, corporations have been doing this forever. The average person doesn't have the money yeah. to hire an accountant to go and do this. But uh, that's where technology is our friend. That's, that's why you're our friend yeah. to bring us up to speed <laughs> in the note. Thank you so much for your time, Kelly. Oh, always a pleasure. Thanks, you, and Andy. Thank you. That's Kelly Keene, personal finance educator, best-selling author. And uh, of, of the book, I love this, Talk Money mm-hmm. to Me. You can find out more about her and, and links on her website, Kelly Keen, and that's K-E-E-H-N.com. As businesses continue to ramp up after suffering through two years plus of the pandemic, we're offering up some tips and tricks to help businesses and business owners take their operations to the next level. Joining us once again is Ellen Parker, owner of Parker PR. Good morning to you, Ellen. Good morning. In this time out, uh, talking social media, and I, I think to put it in perspective, not just maybe a weekly special on social media, but how to use it as a powerful tool for, for many ways. Uh, how, how do we start? Yeah, great question. You know, social media is so powerful to connect with our stakeholders. So number one, I would say consistency makes your brand recognizable and consistent engagement keeps you top of mind. So just really basic things. Maintain consistent brand image across all your social platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you're using, use the same username, the same handle for all your platforms. Use the same profile image and header photo. Engage on the accounts that you want to connect with. Make a list of the clients you want to attract, the stakeholders you want to engage with. Like, follow, comment, and be present. Even spend 10 minutes a day doing this. It's amazing how that will grow your engagement. Don't be afraid to like other people's posts. 
as soon as you like someone else's post, now all of their followers see your brand. So it's a really strategic awareness application. And don't be afraid to comment in their uh, comment boxes, letting them know who you are and what you're about. And then I'd say another easy thing to do is create a calendar in advance. So, you know, look at the next month, the next three months, and create the content ideas to direct your social media plan. You know, start with the holidays that are coming up and plug those into the calendar. And then layer in your seasonal products, promotions. If you're a restaurant, put in the menu changes, events that are happening in your business. And then add in a pattern of content categories to post on a weekly basis. So ensuring each day of the week you're posting something interesting. A key thing, think about 20% promotional ideas and then 80% things that reflect your brand, your image, and your values. So you don't just become a promo channel, but you're really attracting people. That's when you kind of become that thought leader in your industry. Okay, I like it. How about um, things that, I, you must know these, because things that make it maybe easier or time efficient for us. Oh, anything yeah. like that you can suggest? Totally. So there's a couple great ones. Canva, it's a graphic design application you can download. It's free. If you're a business, you can pay a minimal fee and have a business account, which gives you more graphic opportunities. But it allows you to design templates for each social media channel. So creating the graphic. And then another one is called Later. And this allows you to put in that calendar that I talked about, and it will post for you. So you don't have to keep going in every day. Your posts will automatically go up. All social media sites and platforms aren't created equally, are they, Ellen? So we have to have different considerations for each, don't we? Yes, absolutely. And this is all really thinking about our audiences. So Instagram, you know, it's very visual. I would say almost every brand can have Instagram. It allows you to show off your new products, announce sales and daily deals. You can highlight your team, their skills and passions. You can repost pictures that your stakeholders have posted of you and tag them. So you're now building relationships and connecting and giving credit. You can do behind the scenes videos. Reels are really easy to do. You just spend a couple minutes in learning and it's great to put videos. The more video you do on Instagram stories, it will keep your brand top in the Instagram feed. Now, Facebook, it's a little bit of an older demographic, but it's great for in-depth features. It's great for photo albums, event announcements. If you're having an event, you can actually have people sign up for the event through Facebook so it can keep you organized. Just ensure that your about section is updated to properly reflect your brand as we come out of COVID. We're thinking about that. And then whether you want people to contact you, sign up or follow you, ensure you have that call to action button so you know what what you're asking and people know what they want you to do. Really quickly, Twitter, you know, things disappear within 30 minutes. You can post often. Mm -hmm. You can tweet often. Great for business. You can only do 140 characters on Twitter. But a great thing with Canva is if you have additional content you want to share, you can embed it in the image in Canva. And so you can say more. Excellent. And And, and I'm sorry, I'm going to just jump in because we're running out of time. But I know TikTok is not just for the kids. A lot of businesses really starting to use that. So I know that's another great platform. Thank you for all that. I wish we could talk to you for hours because you've got so many great ideas for everybody. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time, Ellen. Appreciate it. Ellen Parker, CEO and owner of Parker PR, parkerpr.ca.